Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. And so in this message uh, series that we're in for a few weeks called Lasting Impact, we've talked about how we want to make a lasting impact. We want wherever we go and whatever Christ is doing through us, we want there to be lasting effects upon those encounters that we have with people. And one of the things that I love to see is I love to see the end results. I love to see like the effects, but I'm just going to be honest with you. You're not going to always see them. You're not going to always see the effects of uh, what you, the seeds that you sow. It's a very beautiful thing from time to time when, um, when we are able to have someone to come back to us and, and say, hey, you made an an impact on my life. And there are going to be times, I'm telling you, I'll just use myself as as an example, not to build myself up, uh, but it never hurts to build ourselves up, you know? Um, But I, there are so many times that I can remember, like there's a guy who somehow found me on Facebook. And this is back when I was a youth pastor at Loxley Church of God. um, And he said, you don't know me, but I came, my family was on vacation, and we came to church one Wednesday night. And so I come into a youth group that I'm completely um, uh, not a part of. I'm, I'm a stranger there, and I'm only there for one night. And he said, you know, my parents put me in the youth, and they went to the adult stuff. And he said, what you didn't know is that I walked into that place with thoughts of suicide. And he said, the Holy Spirit ministered to me during that message that you were speaking, and he changed my life forever. And he said, all these years I've thought about that night that God changed my life forever. And he's like, and I've wondered many times, were you aware of it? And I'm like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, not only was I not aware of it, but two, I have no clue who this guy is. But there are times when God will use you and I to make impacts that we don't even know, you know. But we love to see the fruit of it, right? I mean, that's just a natural thing. We want to see the fruit of it. But I'm telling you in the kingdom, you may not see the fruit. Because Paul, I believe it was Paul who said, you know, that Paul waters, Apollos, uh, Paul plants, Apollos waters, God gets the increase. In other words, everybody's kind of got a little part. And what your, your part may just be one conversation with that person at the grocery store. And they may not ever come to Destiny Church. And they may not ever, you know, uh, come uh, back to you and ever say anything. But somewhere on the other, other side of glory in heaven one day, we're going to meet people that we had an impact yeah. on their life. There was, a, there was a young lady who is now an adult. I think she's in her maybe 40s, um, a few, and I said during this series, I was going to take a snapshot and put this on the screen for you, but she contacted me, and uh, on Facebook, she said, hey, Pastor Rife, um, 
do you remember me? And as soon as I saw her name, I, I remembered her immediately. Of course, she's a grown woman, but I could still see her little face. I could still see her, the little face of that little girl. And uh, just the sweetest little girl. And we had, uh, it, back in those days, uh, we had a fairly large bus ministry. And we would go out, we would send up to five buses throughout the community, and they would go out all over Baldwin County, and we'd pull those kids back, and they'd come from just some of the roughest houses, um, roughest home lives. And, you know, and so she said, uh, she, I, I can't remember if she showed me a picture or not. I think, I think she did. But the point being is she said, do you remember if you baptized me or not? And I, I knew exactly, you know, I'm like, yes, I, I did baptize you. And she said, I was little, and, you know, she must have been about 10 at the time. And, and she said, I, I remember the church. I remember the, it being, you know, like light on the stage and dark in the audience. But she said, I couldn't remember who baptized me, but I thought it was you. And, and I said, yeah, I do remember that, and I do remember that particular baptism. And... I don't know why I remembered that particular one, but I, I just remembered because, you know, just baptizing children that I was the children's pastor and just seeing them grow up under our ministry is just a blessing to see some of those things. And, and so anyway, uh, she said, I just wanted to reach out to you and tell you what an impact. And I'm, I, I, it's crazy because we had just started talking about influence and impact. And she was using these very words in her uh, message to me. And she said, you guys influenced my life so much. And you'll never know what an impact that you made. And now I have children and I have a beautiful husband who is a believer. And we have a ministry that we've dedicated it to Christ. And a business that we've dedicated it to Christ. And we are just all about, you know, the kingdom. And she was like, so she starts calling out some names of my children's uh, leaders uh, back then. And she talked about Miss Shea, who is my wife. And she talked about Miss Sheila, who uh, is one of our dear friends and Destiny family members. And she talked about Miss Carol, uh, one of our dear friends and church family members. And she's like, one of the things that she said was, was this. She said, I could feel the love when Miss Sheila wrapped me in her arms. She's like, I could feel the love of God. And she went on to say that she had a a speech impediment, and I truly don't even remember that part about her. I didn't remember that she had a speech impediment. And so she was just letting us know, like, what an impact that that had on her life, and that here she is, this adult woman, that she's now in her, in her next generation, she's pouring this into her kids, and it's all because of people who were pouring their lives into young people. That's why it's so important that what's happening in the, in yeah. the rooms over to my right and your left are so important. Yeah. That what's happening over there in the children's ministry is vital because we don't know what they're going to look like when they grow up. But we hope that they grow up to look like this young lady, Amanda, that they are kingdom uh, people and that they are all about the kingdom. And so from time to time, we're going to have these glimpses into our past when people come and let us know what influence we had on their life. 
and what an impact that we had on their life. I'm grateful for those times. I'm so grateful for those times. And as we're talking about impact, this is, this is what we define this as impact, an encounter that has a life-changing effect on another's life. An encounter that has a life-changing effect on another's life. Like, if I could just tell you, there were some days in children's ministry that I wanted to cuss. There were days, I probably did cuss a few of those days. Uh, There were some days in children's ministry that I wanted to give up. There were some days I wanted to jerk some knots in some kids. I mean... If I could just, can I get on the soapbox for a second? Thank you. All right. When I hear young people, young, uh, sorry, not young people, young leaders today uh, whine about how hard ministry is, I don't have a whole lot of compassion for them. I don't. And, you know, you, before you write me off and say, oh, that's terrible, pastor, listen to me. Like, I have, we have brought kids in that have been so rough. We have had kids to cuss us out. (laughs) Am I lying? Am I lying? We've had kids to hit us. When we couldn't hit them, we had kids to hit us. I've had kids pull the race card on me. I'm like, kid, if I was a racist, I would never come into your neighborhood and and worry about picking you up and sharing Jesus. I've had the, the, the kids to pull the, well, you just rich. I mean, I'm not rich. Maybe compared to you, I might be, but I ain't rich. I've had kids to do this, that, and the other. I've had all of these things, you know. I'm like, dude, we had it hard. We had it hard. And, you know, so there are many times when there were upwards of nearly 100 children. Am I joking, Sheila? Nearly 100 children in our children's church. Just elementary just elementary, grades one through six, all right? So when I hear some of the younger leaders talk about how difficult they have them with, you know, 15 kids, I'm like, I love you, but I don't have a whole lot of empathy in the moment for you because, you know, I get it. I get it. A kid hits you. Get over it, you know? Like, I get it. I mean, come on, Pastor Ralph, you're just being too hard. No, I'm not. I mean, in a week, we are celebrating the resurrection of Christ, that he took a brutal beating for us. Just go and watch the passion of the Christ. That's probably the closest in cinematography that we're ever going to get to what really happened, and it probably didn't even come close. Like, come on, man. He took some licks for us. He took some beating for us. He, He paid the price for us. But there are times when you and I are called to sacrifice. There are times when you, you and I are called to sacrifice. We're going to be betrayed, beaten, beaten down, talked down, talked about. We're going to be, but we're doing it so that we can make an impact. On, and we never know. We never, never know what, what that moment that we will have. And sometimes it's just a moment. Sometimes it's just a season. Sometimes it's a lifelong journey with one another. But I promise you, you will make an impact if you allow Christ into the picture. Yeah. Are, you, are you hearing me? Yeah. You will make an impact if Christ is on that journey with you. If you're on it by yourself, 
If you're trying to do it with all of your self-help and Oprah Winfrey stuff and therapeutic knowledge and, you know, your personal gifts and abilities and leadership skills, I promise you, you will fall short every time. That stuff runs out after a period of time. But it, when, when he puts his supernatural on your and my natural, that's when God comes together and creates this perfect storm for impact. I want you to look at this. It says, if you want to increase your impact for Christ, increase your proximity to him. Like, I want you to think through this for a moment before we dive into the word. If you want to increase your impact for Christ, like, if I, if, if I just read that first part there, if I want to, well, what if I don't want to? What if I don't want to impact, you know, that is powerful? What if I'm okay with my impact the way it is? I don't even know what to say to that. I don't necessarily have an answer to that because every single one of us should be looking to increase the kingdom as much as we are to increase our kingdom. What if I said to you, don't be concerned about increasing your retirement. Don't be concerned about increasing your influence on your kids. Just let them turn out however they turn out. What if I said, don't worry about paying off your house or your car, or don't worry about your health or any of this. None of us would look at that stuff and go, okay, I'm good with all of what you just said. No, why? Because we are made for increase. Are you listening to me? We are made for prosperity. I'm not talking about multi-cabillion, zillion dollar prosperity, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that type of wealth. I'm talking about a holistic, just real, uh, healthy understanding of prosperity. When he created us, he said, I want you to go forth... Just in that command in and of itself, that's increase. Why? Because you're taking more ground than you had and taking more ground than I had and taking more ground than I had. So he says, I want you to go forth and I want you to subdue the earth. In other words, I want you to take control of the earth because I'm giving you the dominion, the charge over that. He said, I want you to multiply. That's prospering. I want you to replenish the earth. And then I want you to govern it so that the earth does well. God wants the earth to do well under our jurisdiction. And so when we look at that, it's it's like, listen, you know how the world is going to change? Hmm? How? Just... Through one person at a time. It's through us. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, that's a nice little cliche, but I don't ever want to eat an elephant. I'm just saying, it doesn't even sound appetizing to me. But here's the deal. How do you eat an elephant one, one, one bite at a time? How do we conquer racism? One person at a time. Because when we get enough of us operating in love, we become the majority. 
And listen, if I could be so, so blunt to tell you that our country is not as divided as it seems right now. You know why we seem so divided? Because media is blaring that message. Do you know that transgender and homosexual agendas and all of that, do you know the percentage of those, uh, those people who ascribe to those ideologies? Do you know the percentage? It is minute compared to the rest of, of, of our nation. However, if you watch the news, you think that you know, 80% of our nation is all for this. It's not. It's because the voice of the enemy is loud. Why, why is it, church, do you think, that I want our church to be a praising church? And if I can be so blunt with you, we're not there yet. Why do you think I want our church to be such an extravagant worshiping church, such an extravagant praising church? I know, listen, I'm telling you, I make people mad when I preach like this. Why? Because our praise becomes your house where you live, your place. This is my place. Why? Look, Look, listen. We want to see a move of God. We want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. But what gets that? That stuff will not happen outside of the presence of God. It will not happen. See, we want the product... But we don't want to go through what brings his presence. That's why, you know, again, I'm still on my little soapbox. I'm going to get back to the message here in a minute. That's why when, when I talk about, man, praise, man, I'm, I'm just telling you, there, you, if you don't know how to praise, if you don't know how to worship, at this point, in in our development, now I, I understand there are some new believers in our house. I get that. But if you don't understand it as a mature believer, at the stage that you're in, you either, oh God, this is fixing a hurt. You're either ignorant. Like, ignorant means I don't care to know the truth. I don't care to know. I just don't want to know. I just, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with whatever I, or rebellious. I told you it was going to hurt. If you don't get it at this point of your development, you're one of those two things. Pastor Rife, I don't feel encouraged. I don't think the Corinthians felt encouraged either when Paul was trying to correct their behavior. Because he's like, listen, there are basic things that we have to get in order before we can ever make an impact. we got to get these things in order first before we can ever make an impact. And so if you want to increase your impact for Christ, then increase your proximity to him, your closeness. Proximity means 
the relative distance, space, or time in relation to something. And so let's look at uh, Mark chapter 11, all right? Let's look at Mark chapter 11. We're going to read the first 11 verses. So I don't know if this means anything, but Mark 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, all right? So Mark chapter 11, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, all right? I'm going to set it up for you, okay? So Jesus, he spent three years on the earth in his ministry. This is wrapping up his his, uh, earthly ministry. He's about to wrap it up. This is Holy Week. He's about to march into Jerusalem. He knows he's marching into a trap. He knows what he's about to go through. He knows that he is about to be crucified. He knows that he is about to be arrested. He he knows that he's about to be betrayed. He knows what Judas is up to. He, He knows all of this stuff, yet he's still marching into Jerusalem. His three years of earthly ministry is making its culmination this week. We celebrate that week this week. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 1, as Jesus and his disciples approach Jerusalem. Let me stop there. So you'll be my witnesses, Scripture said, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the earth. So he's in his very uh, first little ring of influence here. The most important place of influence. The most important place of influence. Can I get back on my soapbox for just a second? Um, So it is amazing to me how people come to me and they want to minister. And they can minister everywhere outside of this house, but they can't minister inside this house. They can be faithful everywhere else outside this house, but they can't be faithful inside the walls of this house. In the kingdom of God, wherever you have to have a Jerusalem... When people come to me and they start announcing themselves, first of all, please don't ever come announce yourself as a prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You know, don't, don't come and announce yourself uh, to me like that. I mean, if you do, I'm just telling you straight up front, you are immediately going into a box. It doesn't mean you stay in that box forever, but I do. I mean, I'm not saying this is right, folks. I'm just saying this is rife. Because when you come and you announce yourself to me, I put you over in this box and I go, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see, like, who are you submitted to? Like, who, what covering do you have? Like, you know, uh, how how do you interact within the body of Christ? Are are you, does, is there anybody that you have any kind of accountability to? Because everybody has accountability to somebody. Even Jesus had accountability. Even Jesus had accountability. He submitted himself unto the Father. He submitted himself unto the Father. And so, you know, when we come into this place, and, and Jesus, he's coming into this place, and as he approaches Jerusalem, his very first sphere of influence, it says that they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany, on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. 
Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs it and will return, will return it soon. And so the two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street and tied outside the front door. Uh, as they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? And they said, Jesus said, they, they said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. And then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Here's a couple of things I just want. Now, we're going to get into the rest of this in a second, but I want to just take this one part of this passage where Jesus, he's coming back into Jerusalem. And as he's coming into Jerusalem, what's happening here is Jesus, he's, he's told them, I want you to go into town and I want you to get, you know, this colt. Nobody's ever ridden on it before. And if anybody asks you what, to, what, what you're doing, just tell them I, I, I've asked and I need it and, and, and bring it to me. So there's something that's really important here for us to pick up. Like when I first read these in my early years of, of uh, ministry and, and really just early years of being a Christian, I was like, you know, so Jesus basically, he's just, you know, he's, he's just, you know, taking these people's donkey and I know he's going to give it back, you know, but it's like, man, who is Jesus? Like he's just coming into the town and he's like, oh yeah, I need you. I, I, I need you cold, you know, like, I don't know, even for the son of God, that just kind of seems bodacious to me. That's audacious. Like, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Jesus, it doesn't say this in scripture, but I'm telling you, Jesus had already been into Jerusalem. He had already been by that house, and he had already had a conversation with those people. And he said, look, I'm going to be coming into Jerusalem in a few weeks, maybe a few days. And when I'm coming into Jerusalem, I have this plan. So I want to come in on a donkey. You know, well, I've got this horse over here that, no, 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 it's got to be a donkey. Like, I want to, why does it have to be a donkey? Because a donkey is what rulers rode in in times of peace. Like, when they rode in on a stallion, they came in usually as the victor of a great battle. And they would come in to just, everything would imply their dominance, their, their, their victory, their authority, their power. And he's like, but that's not what I, what I want to symbolize. I want to come in as a man of peace. I want to come in to the city, and so could I use your donkey? And I'll send a couple of guys from our team to come in, and they'll ask you for it. And so here's the thing that I want us to pick up from here. Like, I want you to understand that Jesus, as he's coming into this place where there's about to be mass destruction, like, it's about to be mass chaos. He's fixing to go to his death. He's fixing to go to his, to his earthly punishment. He's going to go through all of this. It's literally a, a week from hell that he's about to go to march into. And he's going into it with peace. He's going into it with peace. Not only is he going into it with peace, like, he's already been there. All right, just, just play along with me for a second. He's already been... See, Jerusalem didn't change. The, the, the geographic nature of the place didn't change. What changed was the heart of the people. What changed was the circumstances. See, he had already been in that place. 
But he was there in a situation where, hey, everything's cool today. I'm telling you what, if you haven't noticed within our lifetime, something could be incredible today and tomorrow it could be a living hell. It could be turn on a dime. Today it's good, tomorrow it's bad. Today the economy's good, tomorrow it's bad. You know, situation's good. Today you got a job, tomorrow you don't. Here's the deal. Jesus has already been in that place. He's already been. Like, you might not have caught up with it, but Jesus has already been there. And he's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to need this donkey for peace. Come on, if you're not, you know, stick, stick with me because it'll, it'll, it'll go over your head if you're not careful. So Jesus, whatever your situation is, Jesus has already been there. He's already been there. He's already provided the solution. All right, are you following me? The solution were those donkeys. The solution was that cult. Whatever your situation is, there is a solution that's already been set up and provided for. Come on, somebody needs to get with this. He's already been there. He's already been by that place. He's already been by that bank. He's already been by that business. He's already been by your son's bedside, by your daughter's bedside, by your husband's bedside, by your grandma's bedside. He's already been in that place. He's already provided the solution. And all that's happening right now is we're waiting to catch up to that moment. See, if any of those disciples knew what was about to happen, If any of those disciples knew what they were marching into, I'm telling you, some of them probably would have not gone with Jesus. They would have jumped ship, most likely. But Jesus had already been there. He had already set the plan up. Listen to me, whatever your situation is, come on, Rife, I'm talking to you. Whatever your situation is, Jesus has already gone before you. You don't see the solution. Jesus has already gone before me. Jesus has already been there. I don't know when it happened. I don't know where in eternity it took place. But God has already been there. And I'm telling you what, I'm marching and you're marching closer and closer and closer and closer to the date where your solution is. Come on, man, that is good. And so... This is what's happening right here. And he's walking, he, he's walking into the city as a man of peace. Some of you guys need the peace of God over your situation. I know I do. Shalom of God. I, I call upon the shalom, the peace of God that passes rife's understanding. Yeah, Lord. I call it into my situation. I beckon it to come into my situation, Lord. Yeah. And I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting you, Lord. So it says, many in the crowd were spreading their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Many in the crowd. Not all. Many. Not all. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead. I don't take joy in that. I don't like that verse. I wish it said, and everybody in the crowd. Everybody in the crowd. Y'all going to let me be honest and just transparent, right? I don't like that scripture. 
I wish it was different. I wish it said everybody in the crowd, but it wasn't. It was many, but it wasn't everybody. And you know what that tells me? And, and, and a prophet friend of mine helped me because I would get so frustrated. I'd get so frustrated that, you know, everybody in the, every hand in the house wasn't raised. Every person wasn't a giver. Every person in the church wasn't serving in some capacity. I'd get frustrated that every person wasn't operating at a level of maturity that matched their years in the faith. I would get upset. And he just very, because he was older than I was and smarter than I was, and he said, listen, you've beaten your head up against a wall that's never going to change. He said, even Jesus said, you're going to have the sick with you always. Even Jesus said, you're going to have the poor with you always. And there's never going to ever be a time where there's a hundred percent worshiping and a hundred percent worshiping at the same level. I hate that. I don't like that. I don't like it. But if you look at it in the natural, there's a few educators. My wife's one of them. But hardly ever do we graduate students that they are at 100% the entire class. Are you following me? Not even everybody at the same percentage, whatever the percentage is. They're not all at 80%. You got some that are just barely skimping by at 69 you know, you got some that are barely, you know, make it in a C or D or F. Well, F's not, but you know what I'm saying. Like, you know, they're not all A's. It's, they're, they're all different levels. They're at all different abilities. And so for me, I don't find comfort in this in the fact that I wish it was all, but I do take comfort in it in knowing that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And if it was like that for Jesus, who am I to think that I am better than him? All right? So it says that many in the crowd spread their garments on the road of him, and the others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. And uh, Shay, I want you to come up here real quick because I, I want your scarf. And so it says that, it says that, you know, that as he's coming into the city, that there are people that as he's coming into the city, they've gone out into the fields and they're, they're just, they're covering the road in, in palms, leafy branches that they had found. And this many times was indicative of, of, um, uh, uh, basically a victory of some battle or something. So, you know, as he's coming into the city, they're laying these, and it's symbolic. It's symbolic. And then there are others that they come, and they'll lay their garment down in front of him, all right? And so, thanks, babe. I'm going to keep this, all right? So, don't, don't get on to me for doing what I'm about to do. I promise I won't damage it, all right? So, what he does on his donkey, he walks over, like he's walking over it. 
He's, he's walking over. Now, when you look at these two things, I mean, uh, which, which of these is, is, is the more grandeur? Which, which one of these, uh, it, it, it costs the most? And the thing is, in Jesus' eyes, the same. They're, they're the same. You know, what, what uh, Pastor Wesley was talking to us this morning in our segment on Live to Give, it's like give in proportion to what the Lord has blessed you with. Man, this is all some of them had. They, they, they don't have this. Man, if you imagine, I'm, I'm caught in a trap. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just came out. I can't walk out. All right. But, but the garment, like, th- this is, do you understand that you and I have more clothes in our closet than people in the first world had in a lifetime? Because, because garments were so expensive and, and, and fabric was so expensive. So, I mean, when they took this off and laid it in, in, in the floor, in the street for him, I mean, they were saying something. But what they were doing is they were giving in proportion to what they had. See, for them to give this would have been inadequate. Are you following me? For for them to give this is inadequate. I mean, I'm not trying to turn this into a money thing. But if somebody comes and is asking me to support something for missions, me pulling $5 out of my wallet is not adequate. It's not adequate. Well, pastor, what if that's all you have? But it ain't all I have. It's not all I have. So me giving this would not be adequate. And so he doesn't ask you to give above your, what, what you can. He says just give what you can in proportion to what you can. Here's the beautiful thing is as they laid these on the ground and he walked over them, man, I'm telling you and me, what we need to do, we need to allow God to walk over our circumstances. We need to let him walk all over us. We need to allow him to walk all over our problems and and to say, you know what, Rife, I know this seems big to you, but it's under my feet. Mm, Come on, somebody. I know there are situations that they seem huge for you and it seems uh, monstrous and mountainous to you but these are little things for me it's just pavement for me it's just carpet for me it's just something for me to walk on right and I'm just saying God I want you to come walk all over me come walk all over my situation come just tread all over it you know another thing that it it, it blows my mind because you know uh, I I you know, this brings some condemnation to me. And, uh, sorry, sorry, not condemnation, conviction. There's, I don't have to go into that, right? Condemnation, conviction. Holy Spirit doesn't condemn us. Holy Spirit convicts us. They cut branches from the fields. They spread their garments in the street. And verse 9 is so, so important. Jesus was in the center of the procession. That's so important. What, where is he? What's his, what's his location? What's his GPS? He's in the center of the procession. Like, man, let Jesus be in the center of whatever you're doing. Yeah, yeah. 
And the people all around him were shouting. Like, who was shouting? The ones around him. Not the ones up on the curb. Like, if you'll notice in a parade, like, uh, there's a phrase that says, everybody loves a parade. And that's not true. I personally don't care for parades very much. I've endured them because of my kids, and we've gone to Christmas parades, uh, you know, all kinds of parades, Mardi Gras parades, just different kinds of parades. And, um, but in a parade, which basically this was, he's coming into the city, riding on a donkey, and you have to understand that everyone in Jerusalem is there for the Passover. It would be sort of like um, New York at Times Square on New Year's Eve. Think of that. So New York City, Times Square, if you've never been there, it's a crazy kind of place. But think of it wall to wall. I've never been there uh, at uh, New Year's Eve, and I don't want to be there. Because it's crowded enough as it is, but it, on New Year's Eve, it's like this. Just an ocean of people. Think of Jerusalem like that. Like it is crowded with people from all over Israel coming there for Passover to celebrate. And Jesus, as he's coming in, he's at the end of his ministry. So he's had a three-year campaign. Thank God we only have to endure that mess for two years. Well, was he running for office? No, he wasn't, but they wanted him to. Come on, people. So for three years, he's been going out through Judea and Samaria and Galilee and all of Israel. And so his name is now infamous. Famous to some and infamous to others. Some were looking forward to him and some were dreading him. As he comes into Jerusalem, he's coming in. And as he's coming in, there's this group of people. And it's like, oh, have y'all heard about this, this, this uh, you know, he's a he's, uh, relative of King David. He's, that is the equivalent of, of somebody saying in today's political environment, dude, he's, he's uh, JFK's great-great-grandson. Are you following? I'm trying to bring, bring it into the now for you. And so they're saying, have you heard? Have you heard that the seed of David is coming to Jerusalem? It is about time. He is going to sock it to these Romans. He's fixing to set up shop. He's fixing to kick butt and take names. Our party is fixing to be back in the Jerusalem White House. You know what I'm saying? This is what these people are thinking. And how far off base could they be? Because he's not, they should have known when, he, when they saw him coming in on a donkey that that was not his agenda. Yeah. And so they are waving these things. And where is Jesus? He's in the center. He's in the center. That's so important that Jesus is in the center of whatever you and I are going through. And it says that those around him, those around him were the ones that were that were calling out. Those around him, look at this, verse nine. Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, Hosanna 
in their original. Hosanna, which means save us. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the one, uh, uh, on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in its original form literally means save us. God save us. They are looking for somebody to save them right now from the political tyranny that they are under. They are looking at the earthly kingdom and not the heavenly kingdom. Guys, I'm just telling you, we are no different from that. So many times we're looking for God to deliver us and we cry out, Hosanna, in a, you know, in a metaphorical sense. We call out, God, please save me from this situation. And God is wanting to save us from something so much bigger. So much bigger. And these around him are crying out in in these praises. And I'm sure that every person there was not crying out in a political sense. I'm sure that there were people there that they truly had at the deepest of their conviction. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Everybody wasn't deceived. There were truly people there that knew that he was the Messiah, that he was the one who they had waited for, that he was the one that was going to deliver them and not in just a political sense. But he was the one who would save them from the sins of the world and introduce them into a kingdom that they didn't know of. And the beautiful thing is, you know, when I look at this, um, I look at them, man, and I look at them waving these branches like this, you know, Hosanna. And, you know, like, what, 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 what? Well, see, we're not first century, and we don't understand the significance except what I've told you. But we could maybe um, liken it, like, you know, like our parades, all right? So when, when when we're on, you know, what are we doing? Man... We're, we're, we're throwing out party favors. You know, what, what are we doing? We're throwing out party favors, man. It's like, here, moon pie, you know, uh, except they ain't moon pies. Here we go. You know, so, so, so look, look, look. In the parade, in the parades, what are the people looking for? When you and I go to a parade, there are so many different types of people there. There are people on the that are standing by on the curb and they're looking for something. Throw me a moon pie. Throw me some beads. Throw me, you know, a stuffed animal. Throw me something. There are always going to be the people on the curbs that just throw me something. They're not there for any other reason than just throw me something. But I'm telling you what, and here's, oh man, if you could just get this. It is better to give than to receive is what the Lord says. Luke says in Acts, we heard this from the Lord's mouth himself, that it is better to give than to receive. I'm telling you what, if you've ever been part of a parade, I've been the person on the side. I've been the person trying to catch. But I've also been the person in the parade. I've never been the subject of the parade, but I've been in the parade. 
The parade's never been for me, but I've been in the parade, and I've been part of the parade, and I've been the one tossing the candy off of the Christmas float. I've been the one giving out the, the gifts, and I'm telling you what, if you've never been in a parade, I'm not talking about at a parade, if you've never been a part of the parade, you don't know the difference between the two. In the parade is a winner, winner, chicken dinner every time. Why? Because the joy that you see in just tossing this little stuffed animal and this little kid's world lights up for a moment. You know, as I look at that, I'm looking, there are, there are these people that, man, they're on the street corner. They're watching the parade. They're just there to see. There's always going to be those people that are there just to see. There are going to be people that are there to receive. I'm here to receive. I've been in cities before where I'm not even really interested. I just happen to circumstantially be there at the same time. And I'm like, let's see what all the fuss is about. Oh, yeah, I'm not from this community. It doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm just here to see. And I saw and I'm moving on. I've been the person on the side, like, throw me a moon pie, you know. And then I've been the person that's tossing the candy out, helping the little kids up on the float. Ah, that is so much better. And then this is something that has really ministered to me. And this is where I was talking about earlier, where the conviction has come to me. See, there's always going to be people with different uh, sizes of palms. <laughs> and... And they're just going to wave this little palm. And I can't tell you how many times I've looked down on people with palms like this. I'm just being honest with you, man. Like, they just got their little palm out. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. They just got their little palm out. Man, come on, get you a palm. Get you a palm, man. Like, like, upsize. Get you a palm, you know, a, a biggie palm, you know. Because I, I used to be here before. I was here before. I was here before. But I grew into this. I was here in my giving and in my serving and in my worship and music time. I was, I was here, but I grew into this. I grew into this. But re what I really want to grow into is this. This is what I really want to grow into. You know, I, I, I want to grow into this, man. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And you know what, man? As much as I might like to think I'm here, I ain't here. Because I see some people that are there, and I'm like, I ain't there. But I want to be. And I'm just telling you, man, whether you're here, here, or here. Hang on, it's so little, I can't even pick it up. Like, wherever you are, wave it however you can. And, man, if, it's, if, it, if this is all you got to wave, just 
just wave that thing like a little Pomeranian's tail. Just wave it, wave it, wave it, wave it. But aspire to grow into this. And then ultimately, man, what if we were here? That we just have this ability to say, God, I'm going to go all out for you. And I'm not going to be that person that's just on the sideline, just like watching what's going by. But I am going to give it my all. Like I'm going to give it my all. Because I'm telling you what, guys. We want the Lord to show up in a greater capacity than we want to show up. Just think about it for a minute. Can we ever, can we ever match? No, we can't. But he doesn't ask us to match his level. He asks us to match the fullness of our potential. And that's it. And sometimes where we are is here and then we get to here and then finally we're here. So say it with me on the screen. If you want to increase your impact for Christ, increase your proximity to it. Like in the crowd, where were the most impactful people in that? In the center. Like he, they were right there where he was. He was in the center and they were right there close to him. You know, the scriptures that say, draw close to me and I will draw close to you. Like right there, you draw close to him. And this is how we can apply this. Number one, take a survey of your position in Christ. Just take a survey of your position in Christ. As a matter of fact, if, if you know, this is something that you and I should be doing all the time. We, I'm telling you, if you ever stop doing this, you are in danger of becoming um, apathetic. Even apostate. Apostate means when I fall away from God. In the church, in some of our settings before, we've, we, we've called that backsliding. In other words, I've lost my first love kind of thing. We are constantly to be evaluating like, God, where am I in Christ? That's why when we stop doing that, you can have pastors of churches that are living in outright blatant sin get up and preach the gospel and not live by it. That's how that's possible. Because they stop looking inwardly and saying, God, where am I in you? Where am I in, in this relationship with you? And then here's the second thing. So when you take that survey of yourself and see where you are, determine one thing. Determine one thing that I can do to draw closer to Christ. To get me off of that curb and into the center of the parade. What's one thing that I can do? Tell somebody for accountability and then do it. And Alan, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but I know that you're okay with me doing that. Um, recently, uh, you, you, you said something to me about your giving. And, and listen to me, church. If you are at a place where you're like, dude, he's come around to giving multiple times. Well, if he had another example, I would give it. But this is the one that comes up, all right? And if you have a problem with that, you need to check your position in Christ. Because I'm telling you, you can talk about money 
all day long to me and how it relates to the kingdom and it doesn't offend me because money is not my master. I master my money. My money is not my master. And so you recently shared something uh, with me about your your giving and uh, just in a, uh, give him the mic, Shay, just in a, a brief like synopsis, because we're at the end of our time. I want you to share with, with the church what that was, and I'm going somewhere with this. Okay, so uh, I've always been consistent in my giving, but the accountability part of it, I've never juked and jived with, so I hate getting like the year the, the, the year end financial statements. Like, I don't like people knowing what I give. Like, I just have never liked that, because it's always just irked me, because I just don't, don't like people in that side of my business. And at the men's retreat, uh, God told me that I had partnered with a lie. And so whenever I realized I was partnering with a lie because that was rebellion in my life, because what it was doing, it was, it was keeping my giving out of the eyes of my pastor. Um, I always give cash. I would always give cash in the back boxes. People who've seen me, they, I get up here in service, I go do cash. But the reason why was because I didn't want the accountability piece. I didn't want somebody in the middle of my business. Um, Sitting at a Chinese buffet with three men, I sat there and I put it in accountability with two pastors and a guy I've known my entire life. And I said, hey, this is something that I'm now putting in accountability. It's not that I'm doing anything different, but I'm now making it where it can be accountable because I want that seen because I know I'm a leader and leaders lead from the front. And so leaders are seen. And if you, and so even if it's only seen by two or three people, leaders still need to know that leaders are leading from the front. And so that's who I am. That's who I am as a man of God. That's who I am as a man, period. And so um, to lead, you have to lead in something. And so I, I, I was just following the example of my pastor. He said, put in accountability. There was multiple messages at the men's retreat that just led me to that. I don't think anybody else got a money message at the men's retreat, but I did. And I got it from him and I got it from two, two brothers in Christ who sat down at a table with me and told me I had partnered with a lie. I didn't see that. I mean, I've, I've, I've been all over the world for God, but I didn't see I was partnering with a lie. And these two guys loved me enough to sit here and say, you're in rebellion. They didn't say it in so many words, but they said, you're in rebellion. Who are you to tell me I'm in rebellion? Because you're, you're, you're a son of God. That's who you, you, can, you can speak into me because just because I may have a position or I may have a kingdom position, it doesn't matter. You can still call me out if you see something. And it was in the two, two witnesses, you know? Two brothers came to me and said, you're partnering with a lie. So... If that's where your case is, and I'm talking to, I'm talking about, I've been in this a long time. I'm trying, Pastor. Um, I've been in this a while, okay? So I don't care how mature you think you are. I don't know how much scripture you know. I don't know how, how much of the lexicon you can break down in Hebrew and Greek and all the Aramaic. I don't care. If you're partnering with that lie, stop today. I put it on recurring giving. I, just, I, I got to tell my kid this testimony this morning as the thing came up. I said, I set up a special account that nothing else comes out of except my, except my giving. I said, I put my money in there at the beginning of the month and I just put into it every single week as a consistent thing, the same way I would put in that box, I just put it in that account. But now it's accountable. Now it's in front of my pastor. You see what I'm saying? Like this is my apostle. I, I know he don't get caught up in that, but he's the one that sent me a long time ago. And so to honor this relationship, I had to do that before God. Like I was already good with God, but now it's put me in a right place of accountability so that if that slacks off, him or Wes or the other people can come to me and say, hey, is something going on? Do you have an issue going on? Something slacked off? What's, because it's, it's fruit. 
And that's new fruit for me. I mean, it's a different fruit. It's the same fruit I've been sowing, but it's a different place. It's a different way. And so I don't know if that's where you were going, but that's no. where I, that's where mm-hmm. I had. So with that, you know, yours may not be that, but that's what his was. Your, yours might be serving or faith, your level of faith or commitment or, or whatever. But here's the point. It's like determine one thing in whatever your area is and then hold yourself accountable by sharing. So at the Chinese buffet, when those other two guys, I wasn't one of that, those, two other men witnessed to you about that. And dude, they just called it out and said rebellion. Like, you know, and, and you didn't get mad, punch them in the face, cuss them or leave the church, you know. <laughs> okay, all right. So, uh, well, two out of three, all right. But, but here's the deal. And since he has done that, multiple situations in his private world have come up. And, you know, uh, that, that, are, that challenge you in that area. And I'm telling you, even though you've not said this to me, I know that where the enemy is, like, oh, that thing that you did, you can't be doing that anymore. Because you got this, this, and this. And if you don't stop doing that, I'm going to create, you know, that, that's just how the enemy is. But here's where I'm encouraging you. Wherever your level, it could be in worship. It could be in any of these other number of things. Determine one thing that you can do. Share it with somebody. Because until you share it, you're not accountable. Yeah. Until you share it, there is nobody there. And you make sure that when you share it, just like he said... I've given them permission to call me out on it. If I tell you, hey, you know what? I haven't been real faithful in my whatever. I want you to hold me accountable. When that person sees you not being faithful and they call you out in that area that you don't get upset about it, but you're like, thank you for holding me in my place of righteousness, in my place of commitment. So here's what I want you to do as we, as we wrap up our time today together. Is I want you to survey where you are in your whole relationship with God. What are areas, Holy Spirit, that I need to get closer to the center of you. And I need to move from the curb to the center of the parade. Because if you want to increase your impact, you got to get closer to Him. The closer you get to him, the more you're going to smell like him, look like him. And I'm going to tell you, you don't have to announce yourself when you walk into into a room. Holy Spirit will announce you for you.